holy king, a carpenter. But you are the living Lord. Lord Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for another wonderful time in your presence. We never ever take the things you do for us for granted. Thank you for your gift of life. Thank you for your gift of health. Thank you for strength. Thank you for leading us out and leading us in. Thank you for food you put on our table. Thank you for ensuring that the determination of evil never finds expression in our lives. We are grateful. These and much more we know you do. Things you do we have absolutely no idea about. This morning again, we want to be deliberate to say thank you. Thank you, our Father. Thank you, our Lord. If you were to follow us, you would not do certain things. But you are truly the Father of love. And your love finds expression in your dealing with us. So we are grateful. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your joy. We are grateful. We are grateful. Again, Father, you have gathered us this morning, not unto any man, but unto you. And unto you alone shall the gathering of your people be. We're asking this morning that you will speak expressly to us. As always, you will speak in the language that each one here can understand. Speak to our hearts. Bring life to us. Let your word rebuke us. Let your word correct us. Let your word instruct us in righteous living. Let your word take us from where we were to where you would have us be in destiny. This morning in the mighty name of Jesus, we ask that you will confirm your word with signs and wonders. Lord, heal bodies that are sick. Heal bodies that are having one form of pain, infirmity, or the other by the power of your word as it comes forth this morning. We also ask you will be involved in matters that will constrain you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I, 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 I sense the, the anointing of God strongly this morning in this atmosphere. And I know God has come to do us good. God has come to do you good. God has come to do your family good. He's come to do your household good. Father, do things that we consider a distant place that our hands cannot reach, but your hand can reach it. We expect testimonies and miracles by what you are said to do today. And that your name and your name alone will be glorified. Now I release this presence of your spirit in this atmosphere. Over every heart. Over every life. Yes Lord. Thank you Father. For in Jesus precious holy name we have prayed. Praise the Lord forevermore. Come on shout a bigger hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. We began something last week Sunday on overcoming the wiles of the devil. I beg you in the name of Jesus, if you haven't listened to that tape, please go back and listen to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Go back and listen to that message. It will help you a lot. And what we're going to share today will be a continuation of what we shared last week, uh, Sunday. Praise the Lord forevermore. Okay, in our last study, we established uh, a very important fact. And it is this, that thoughts, what is thoughts again? A way of thinking. We established that thoughts um, is the determinant of behavior. Can you remember that? Um, Once a particular way of thinking finds expression in our hearts, a new behavior is born. Remember that? We established that from God's word. So we're going to kick off from there this morning. Praise the Lord. 
So I'm going to take you back to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Amen. And be not conformed to this world. I'm reading from the King James Version. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen to the God's word translation. Don't become like the people of this world. Instead, change the way you think. Then you will always be able to determine what God really wants, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. So you see, when he says don't be conformed or don't be like the people of this world, then he said change the way you think. You can see the connection. The way people think determines how they behave. So God says, for you not to be like the people of this world, you need to change the way you think. Meaning, there's a way the people of this world think. Are you getting it? So God says, change the way you think. That's how we got that statement. Um, Thoughts are determinants of what? Behavior. So follow me carefully this morning as we try to go a bit forward. Praise the Lord. The kind of thoughts we entertain in our mind, to entertain means to embrace. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that? You know, listen. The way thoughts work is this. They are like wind. They flow. Let me give you a very practical example. Sitting, some of you sitting here and watching me, if not all of you, all kinds of thoughts have flown through your mind when you came to service. You are just listening during praise and worship. Then something will come. Ah, you did not close the pot of food though. You shake your head like this. <laughs> you know you didn't think that. It just came. You understand what I'm saying? The next one said, ah. Edith says she will come today by one o'clock. What is the problem? That's what thought is. They just flow like wind. They are flowing. Now, the one you embrace is the one that you decide to massage in your mind. Do you understand? For example, as you're hearing me, you didn't close the pot of soup before you left to all these cockroaches that fly around. Hey, natural. Hi. Now you've embraced it. Did I close it? No, I close it. I close it. I close it. What if I not close up? I close up. No, I close up. What if I not close? I close. I close the port. I close, I'm sure I close the port. What is happening? You have embraced it, so you are massaging it. Then suddenly, from I close the port, I didn't close the port. Let me go and call whether this girl is still around, so she can look where I keep the key to open the port. What is happening to you? The thought you have embraced has given birth to a behavior in you, and you have gotten up to go and make a call based on what the thought you embrace. So when we say thought is the determinant of behavior, that's exactly what it is. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. Yes. Praise the Lord. So the kind of thought we entertain in our mind will eventually shape how we behave and relate with other people in life. Yeah, yeah. When you see people act in a certain way, they don't just wake up overnight and decide. No, there was a thought that came. They embraced it and it shaped a new behavior in them. Am I talking to somebody? Does God's word instructs us to change the way we think? The kind of thoughts that we entertain in our minds. So that we will not behave like the people of this world. Implying that there's a way the people of this world think. And we as children of God must not think like them. Because if we don't think like them, we will not behave like them. Is that clear enough? Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the warfare of the believer. The warfare of the believer. Remember, the overall subject is overcoming the wise of the devil. Let's talk about the warfare of the believer. 
Second Corinthians chapter 10, I read verse 3 to verse 6. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to verse 6, I read from the King James Version. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. That's the way they write English in the 16th century. All right? Uh, it's not the way we speak English today. Are you with me? Second yes. Corinthians 10 from verse 2 to 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. Okay, what that simply means is we're humans. All right? We're human beings, but we don't fight physical battles. That's simply what that means. If we were to write that today, that's how we we'll write it. But since 16th century English, they don't write that way. All right? Okay, so I continue. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Mm. Now, everybody, look at me. The warfare of the believer needs to be understood from the spectacle of God's word and not from what you hear people say. As a matter of fact, everything about the Christian faith has to be understood from the spectacle of God's word and not what you hear people say. A lot of times, these are the challenges we face. I'll tell you something. It is easier to learn good things from the start than to learn wrong things and to unlearn the wrong things so you can learn the good things. That is more difficult. It, because it's like you're trying to put a load of program on top of another program that doesn't sit very well. You will always have issues with that system. I have one uh, that always, when it's tired, it tells me I'm going to sleep. <laughs> it doesn't even inform me, it just goes to sleep. That's what happens when you try to load a program incorrectly. Am I talking to somebody? In the same way, if your understanding as a child of God on matters of faith is born from what you hear people say, you are in deep trouble. That may even be the battle you are currently fighting you have no idea about. And that is the important, the, why it is important to have a church where you are established. Because the problem with some people is this. Uche, they'll tell you, the way the body do me that that kind of church, now they follow that body. So if I wake up, I say, where I go now? Mm, seriously, no, I don't go there small. Don't go there small. Where I go now? Let me go, let me go fire, fire mountain ministry. So that's the way I feel like. So they go. Now they go to fire, fire mountain or wherever that is. And they hear some things. The following Sunday, the body don't do them to go back there. They go another one. <laughs> and they hear another things. Now, now you know what is going on? Trouble is cooking. Because they are hearing all kinds of stuff with no form of structure and understanding, then you will struggle as a believer. That's why a lot of Christians struggle. Because understanding needs to be structured for it to make meaning. How many of you build houses by just coming and you dig a foundation? And when you finish digging the foundation, you put only some few blocks, not everywhere, you say it's time to raise the building. You better make sure you're not even renting or buying that kind of a house because it will collapse. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. There has to be structure in the way certain things are built for there to be what? Stability. 
And this is the challenge with a lot of Christians. Their understanding of faith is based on what one bishop or pastor or papa said somewhere. Not from their understanding from scriptures. Now, the problem is not with bishop or papa or any other preacher. The problem is you. Because you went in the middle of something and heard something and you ran away with it. You say yes. Now you now find that you are struggling to believe God for things. The reason is because you don't understand faith as you should. So it is important that understanding is structured. Am I talking to somebody this morning? Yes, so that your perception of truth will be scripturally based. And you know why that is important? God is only committed to what he said, not what we thought he said. And this has been the struggle with a lot of Christians. I thought God said that in his word. No. You thought he said, he didn't say. If you want to walk with God, you need to know what he said. That authorizes you to believe him for it. And that commits him to do what he said. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. Praise the Lord. So the warfare of the believer needs to be understood from the light of God's word. And not from what people tell you. If people tell you stuff and you can't see it in the Bible with due respect, you don't have to condemn them. Just throw what they say away. Am I talking to somebody? You don't even need to have conversations with them. What you say is a lie. It's not important. Just throw it away. Because that's what the scripture tells us to do. First Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. So whatever does not seem to line up, throw it away. But you know the challenge with many of us? We don't read Bible, so we don't know what to throw and what to keep. Mm. How many of you will go and work in the salon and you have not learned how to do hair? I pity the person who will sit under your hand. We say, but at least your hair get problem. No, it's not that hair. <laughs> hair don't have problem. It's the person doing the job that has a problem. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. Ah, and you see, that is how we run faith. Every other thing we do, truths we learn. But when it comes to faith, we don't care. How do we expect it to get it right? I'm not talking to somebody this morning. Good. So let's look at the warfare of the believer in the light of scripture. Amen? So stay with me again. I'm going to read what I've just read before. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You know, when you just hear strong, we say, Rakabashatayata, every Satan. Keep quiet and just listen to scripture. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. Yes, just listen to truth from scripture. Let your mind, let the light of the word of God cast out darkness from your heart. I'm not talking to somebody this morning. He said, uh, to the pulling down of every stronghold, verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in readiness to revenge all this obedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, the word warfare, pay attention now. I want to try to be a bit systematic so you can follow me. Don't worry, I don't have to finish. I'll stop anywhere. We'll stop. We'll continue next Sunday, God willing. The word warfare means, among other things, fighting. Fighting, battles, war, struggle. Is that clear enough? So warfare means what? Fighting battles, struggles, war. Is that okay? All right. So the warfare of the believer means the fight of the believer. The battles, the struggles, the war that the believer engages in. Praise the Lord. Thus warfare implies, the warfare of the believer implies that believers are engaged in warfare. Is that clear enough? Now, child of God, we are in a battle 
And we must understand the nature of the war we are involved in. People don't win war because they have big enemy, big armies. Ask Russia. It went over your head, right? Okay. You know, Ukraine is nothing compared to Russia, right? But they're still trying to break them down. How many months now? So it's not because your army is big, you take over. Wars are won by strategy. If you have the right strategy, you may have fewer men, but you win wars. Ask Israel. And the Arab war over them. Israel fought nations with fewer armies, but strategy gave them victory. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. Okay. So you must understand the nature of the war you are fighting, the war that you are involved with as a believer. And not hear war and conclude, oh, what are we using? Is it bazooka or nuclear weapon? Am I talking to somebody? The warfare of the believer in Christ is not a physical warfare. It is not what? It's not a physical warfare. It's not a physical war. We don't fight physical battles. I know some of you are angry now because you are thinking of what is the grand carry? Was it cutlass? Is it where that my father beat that they used to fight war in those in the 70s? God forbid bad thing. Praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor say, Your warfare is not a physical warfare. Did you see what we read? Though we walk in the flesh, we do not what? Walk after the flesh. In other words, though we are physical human beings, our battles are not physical warfare or battles. Are you getting it? Good. The believer is not fighting a physical war. I've often heard preachers say it, you know, that it is time for Christians to get physical weapons and fight back those that are killing Christians. How many of you have heard that before? I have. I hear them all the time. Now, please, do not misunderstand what I'm about to say. I really do not support the killing of Christians. Nor will I. Is that clear enough? I know what people do with TikTok. They will just say, uh, the only video the part where I said, Christians say, then they will go and put it on social media. God is my witness. Praise the Lord. I really do not support the killing of Christians, nor will I. Now, the killing of any human life, Christians or non-Christians, is evil. Am I talking to somebody? Christians or non-Christians, if they are killed, it is evil. And it cannot and can never represent God. Hmm? Hmm? Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus once said something, and this is what Jesus said. He said, the time will come when people will kill you and think they are doing me service. Write down John 16. Quickly, I read verse 1 to 3. John 16, 1 to 3. I'm going to read from two translations. These things have I spoken unto you, that you should not be offended, Jesus said. I'm telling you this thing so you will not be offended. You will not stumble. You will not have a reason to rebel. Verse 2. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time comes that whosoever kills you will think that he does God's service. And these things they will do because they have not known the Father nor me. Listen to the Good News Translation. 
I have told you this so you will not give up your faith. Do you know there are Christians, some Christians who have backslided simply because how can they be killing us and we cannot fight back? Nonsense. If that's what Christianity is, I don't want to be again. And Jesus said, I told you this so that you will not be offended because I know the days are coming. Verse 2 says, you will be expelled from the synagogues and the time will come when those who kill you will think they are doing this that, that this thing they are doing, they are serving God. Jesus said, people will do these things to you because they have not known either the Father or me. Now listen, killing or taking a life, I'm deliberate this morning. I'm not just talking about Christian life, any other life. Killing or taking a life in the name of God is anti the Christian faith, irrespective of how we feel. Am I talking to somebody? Yes, sir. Killing or taking a life in the name of God, is anti the Christian faith. You will never find that in the Bible. It doesn't matter who says what or who tells you what. It is never in the Bible. Jesus actually said, those doing this in his name will think they are doing service. Now, it may not necessarily be they are killing the name of Jesus. They can be killing the name of God, according to them. And God said, these people who do these things do not know me. They do not know me. And for those Christians who are Playing with the idea or the thought it's time to fight back, Jesus said they don't really know me. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody this morning. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Amen. So my question will be, child of God, do you know who Jesus is? Am I talking to somebody? Yeah. Do you know who Jesus is? I've also had some preachers dare to say, that Christians can go to physical war because in the Old Testament, the children of Israel fought physical war. I'm telling you what I have heard though. I'm not telling you what they say to me, what I had preachers say. Don't let anybody deceive you. Back in the Old Testament, they fought physical war, the children of Israel, so we can fight physical war. Now, it is true that the children of Israel fought physical wars. However, we must understand that we are under a different covenant. And this is called the new covenant or what you call the new testament. The word testament means covenant. Are you still following me? Yeah. We're under a new covenant. And under this covenant, things are done differently according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah. You will not find one physical war in the new testament. Are you still with me? You will not find one physical war in the New Testament. For those believers agitating for physical war, the reason is simply because they don't know Jesus. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. They don't know Jesus as they ought to. As they ought to. Stay with me. We are still under the believer's warfare. Is that not so? The Lord Jesus also gave us more clarification. In his statement referring to the devil as the thief in the gospel of the book of John. Remember that? John 10, 10. What did he say? The thief comes only in order to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Then Jesus said, I have come in order that you might have life and have life in abundance or in its fullness. So in the above text, we see clearly the mission of Jesus. What was his mission? To give life and life what? In abundance. 
The one who came to kill is who? The thief who is also called the devil. Are we getting me? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the mission of Jesus is to give life. Why the mission of the devil is to take life. Come on. Am I talking to somebody? See loud. Think about that. Think about that. There was a time Jesus was going to Jerusalem. That was when he was heading towards at the time for his crucifixion. He went with some of his disciples. On their way to Jerusalem, something happened. And the disciples said to Jesus, Do we call that fire from heaven like Elijah did? Hmm. So when we're asking God to send down fire like Elijah, you need to clarify what, what the fire is coming to do. <laughs> Am I talking to somebody? Yes, sir. <laughs> so listen to the story. Luke chapter 5. I read from verse 51 to 56. Just listen. You can write it down because of time. And it came to pass. When the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. Verse 53. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. 54. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, we doubt that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did. And they were waiting. They were ready. All they needed just to say was, go ahead. Now look at what Jesus said in verse 55. But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy man's lives, but to save them. And they went into another village. Praise the Lord. Amen. Knowing Jesus Christ means, among others, that he came to save lives and not to destroy lives. Physical killings can never represent Christ because it's not part of his mission. Am I talking to somebody? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, if you notice the text we just read, Jesus turned and did what? Rebuke them. You know the meaning of rebuke? Rebuke means to forbid them. When you forbid something, does that sound like you support it? No. Talk to me, does it sound like you support it? No, sir. If I forbid something, that means I'm against it. So Jesus rebuked his disciples and said, no. This is not my mission. My mission is to save lives and not to, talk to me, and not to, let me give you one more example of this and we'll move forward. Remember during the resurrection of Jesus. Can you remember that? Can you remember that? Okay. After he rose from the dead. Now mind you, listen, even the disciples that followed Jesus struggled with the fact that they believed Jesus would rise from the dead. They struggled with it. That was the reason why when he appeared to Mary Magdalene, I said, go and tell them I have risen that I will see them in Galilee. You know, you women, that's how you see things. <laughs> you know, it must be because of post-traumatic PTSD, right? <laughs> post-traumatic disorder syndrome or whatever. I know, I know, you know, women don't know how to take hard things. That's why you are seeing things. This guy is buried and he's died and we buried him so we know he's dead. So that one passed. Jesus went the extra mile, met two men this time and they came back. <laughs> we have seen the master. They say, ah, you, you have taken again what those women are taking. They struggle to believe. 
Jesus now had to come to his disciples and rebuke them for their struggle to believe. Do you understand that? He rebuked them. So, so they struggled to even believe that Jesus would rise from the dead. But this is the catch of it. Listen to me. When he eventually rose, they saw him, okay, okay. See the mathematics in their brain. That means this guy has conquered death. That means there's no power that he, he doesn't have right now. Now the next thing that came to their mind was this. Acts chapter 1, I read from verse 6 to 9. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Okay, it's like saying, no, we're not the way for anything. Like, power don't they? So it says it's time to overthrow the Romans. <laughs> they were ready to go to a physical warfare. Are you getting what I'm saying? So if Christians are thinking of physical war today, they start with started with disciples. During the time of Christ, they were carrying swords. That was when they came to arrest Christ. Somebody took a sword and wanted to remove somebody's head. And it was the ear that he caught. And Jesus rebuked him and said, ah, he that kills by the sword. We read that today, right? In our reading. Yeah. So Jesus said, no, that's not my style. So they're asking, is it time to go to war? Because now we know we have the power. Or you just say something to have <laughs> And look at Jesus' response to them, verse 7. And Jesus said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father has put in his own power. Then look at what he said to them. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now I would have imagined and said, Okay, so we can kill them. Look at what he said. No. And you shall become witnesses unto me. And do you know the meaning of witness? Witness among other things means a record bearer. So Jesus said, this power that comes upon you will make you my record. You will be the one that bears record of who I really am. And part of that record you bear, sometimes some of you might even be a martyr. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. So Jesus did not miss the gospel he preached. It's what that is missing it today. He he said it clear. So the people knew. One time he said, ah, you can't follow me. One man said, Lord, let me follow you, but give me time. Somebody just died in my family. Let me go and bury you. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. Follow me. So he didn't, <laughs> he didn't mix words. He was clear. He said, nobody can follow me except you hate your father, your mother, your brother, your sister. You cannot be my disciple. So Jesus' message was clear. The people who follow Jesus, you can clap for them. But you don't go there every Sunday thinking, you hear something that will lift your spirit as we say it in Nigeria. And you hear something, you say, ah. It's like he's making every effort to chase you away. His message was clear. And this was one of his message. I don't kill. I give life. I know a lot of Christians struggle with this as I'm saying right now. Yes, oh, Pastor, what are you saying? It's not what I'm saying. It's what Jesus said. Come on. Am I talking to people? Yes, Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He said, you shall be witness unto me uh, in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the utmost part of the earth. And while he was saying that, the Bible said he was taken up into heaven. Praise the Lord. Now, I truly understand to some degree, and I do not say this lightly, what it feels like hearing and reading accounts of how Christians are slaughtered. Are you listening to me? Yeah, I do. It is horrific and truly inhuman and cannot be defended by any standard or principle. However, fighting a physical war is not taught nor encouraged by Jesus. Am I talking to somebody? Somebody wants to say, ah, pastor, I'm not blaming that because you never did that they kill you. No, that's not it. I hope you know the message of the gospel will not change in respect of location or time, era, or people. Do you understand? Yes, 
No, 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 no. It doesn't change. Because you are somewhere and that's where they kill. You say she will preach a different message. Then you are not preaching the gospel. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. Yes, sir. So it has absolutely nothing to do with that. Praise the Lord. Fighting a physical war is not taught nor encouraged by Jesus Christ. Now the child of God, now pay attention to this statement, pay attention to this statement. The child of God must be careful to protect his or her heart. Protect their heart from what? From the venom of revenge and bitterness. Because of these issues, when I hear a lot of Christians talk, even ministers with due respect, some ministers, I, I could feel venom from their statement. Venom of vengeance and bitterness. Already at that time, our spirit is corrupted. And Jesus warned us to be careful, lest any root of bitterness find expression and corrupt you. You don't understand how Satan fights this war. Satan will do anything to get at your heart, the purity of your heart. If he can't get you physically to start acting the way he would have you do, he will want you to be bitter. Whichever way he's got you something in you. You know what Jesus said? The prince of this world coming, but he has what? Nothing in me. You know the meaning of that? There is nothing that looks like him that represents his principle or ideology that is found in me. This is the nature of the battle that we fight. Praise the Lord. If we allow this to happen, we have given Satan a place in our lives. Ephesians 4, 27 says, neither give place to the devil. Look at the way the Passion Translation renders Ephesians 4, 27. He said it. Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. Can you see that? Can you see that? Praise the Lord. The warfare of the believer is not a physical warfare. Everything I've just said is to establish that truth from scripture. Are we still together on that? Are you still hearing me? Come on, are you still hearing me? Yes, sir. Can you see what I'm saying from the scriptures? Can, can you see what I'm saying from the scriptures? Yes, sir. Is it in your Bible? Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. One more time. Help me look at your neighbor. Say, our warfare is not a physical warfare. Our warfare is not a physical warfare. Can you help me preach to the person? Your fight is not a physical fight. Your fight is not a physical fight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, let's talk a little bit about understanding the nature of the warfare of the believer. Maybe if we can get through with that, we'll stop there for this morning. Praise the Lord understanding the nature of the warfare of the believer. So can we go back to where we started from? 2 Corinthians 10, I read again from verse 3 to 5. Or 3 and 4, I beg your pardon. I read. 2 Corinthians 10, I read verse 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. Is that okay? Do we understand that now? Good. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The word carnal simply means fleshly or physically. Physically made. The weapons we fight with, they are not physical weapons. It is clear because we don't fight physical battles. Oh, I have seen services, cutlass service. Everybody go to church with cutlass. Say we are going to cut the devil. I wonder what Bible they read. 
Koboko service. Come to say, we are going to flog demons. You know what they are simply doing? Maybe you don't go out for exercise, so you are just trying to find some form of exercise in church. The Bible says the prophets lead to. That's okay, I can relate with that. But don't get carried up because the weapons you fight with is not a cutlass, nor is it a koboko. Am I talking to somebody? Yes, sir. You do not fight physical battles, therefore your weapons are not physical in nature. You need to understand this. But you know what? Despite the fact that our weapons are not physical or carnal in nature, the scripture describes the potency of our weapon. It says they are mighty weapons. Isn't that amazing? Yes, sir. That you can have weapons that are not physical, yet they are described as what? Mighty. Child of God, are you following what I'm saying this morning? The weapon you use for the battles you fight, they are mighty weapons. And they are only mighty because they are mighty through God. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. They are only mighty because they are what? Mighty through God. And it describes what this weapon does. It said these weapons, they are mighty through God and they bring down what he calls strongholds. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Understanding the nature of the warfare of the believer. Is that also? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's another confirmation that we don't fight physical battle. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Good. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That my landlady, she's a witch. One day I will beat the witch out of her. <laughs> For we wrestle not against what? Flesh. Look at your neighbor. You don't fight physical human beings. Come on, come on, come on, come on. What did I tell you at the beginning of this study? One of the nature of the devil is he will use you to cause chaos and you will exonerate and defend him. Can you remember that? Yes, sir. So I'm talking to you, I tell him which devil. Now you, you, that devil not do anything here. Now you. He has succeeded though. He created the crisis, removed himself, and made you defend him. It's one of his job. He's crafty, he's cunning. One more time, help me tell your neighbor, you don't fight physical human beings. Don't fight physical human beings. I once uh, heard a testimony. Very funny anyway. A lady came and was giving testimony in church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's why we tend to, would like to hear your testimony before you say it. Because sometimes you could put the whole church in some form of confusion, you know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Ah, the era country has fallen. I said, the, who will not hear the country fan? No shout. Even some people, before they heard what she made, started speaking to Roboco, no shout. Oh, hallelujah. I said, the era country has fallen. Then the next statement was a killer. My mother-in-law is dead. <laughs> because according to her, the mother-in-law, which is the hero country, is her problem. Oh, you don't know that in prayer meetings people call people names? Father, 
This one that will not let me go, let him go. Let him go. Let him go. Kill him. Kill him. Kill him. I have not come to take but to give life. Jesus said. If you truly know him, you will understand that Jesus doesn't take life. Because for every life that goes without him is eternally lost. And it's in the run to secure life because he already paid the price for the entirety of humanity. Every wicked man that dies and goes to hell, he has lost. Something he has. How many of you will be glad to go to market and buy tomato? And you know the cost of tomato right now, right? It's raining season. You know it's very expensive. <laughs> After buying a blend, you are coming. Now call punch and the poor. You now say, whoa, hallelujah. Glory. <laughs> According to mother, I glory. <laughs> huh? You are happy that the tomatoes you bought was bought. And the person who costs it will not get something from you. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't happen. So you expect God to be happy when souls he had paid for die and go? That's why he said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. When you read the Bible, read it in context and with understanding. There was a time David was praying, oh God, break their teeth. You see, understanding differs. You are under a new covenant. He's sovereign. He can decide what he wants to do. But you understand his nature. Instead of you to deal with spirits, you are looking at how to deal with that person. Oh, show you. When I finish with you, you're going to say, God is my God. No, you're getting it all wrong. Because you think your warfare is a physical warfare. One more time, help me preach to your neighbor. You don't fight a physical battle. You don't fight a physical your battle is not physical in nature. Your battle is not physical in nature. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle. The word wrestle means to struggle to battle. Is that not so? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's all King James will have said. We don't wrestle against human beings. Is that okay? Yes, but what do we wrestle with? Pay attention. It said, but against what he calls principalities. Against powers. The word powers means authorities. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And against spiritual wickedness. Then he calls, it, it refers to something. In the high. Now places was added. It's not part of the original manuscript. But I can make sense to that. Because I'm trying to describe what he's referring to. Against principalities. Against powers. Against what he called rulers of the darkness of this world or age. Against spiritual wickedness in high. Okay? Pay attention. Are you still with me? The word high comes from a root word in the Greek. It's eperanos. Eperanos simply means above the sky. So meaning that this entity described that we war against do not reside on the earth. <laughs> they don't reside on the earth. That's the nature of the battle you fight. They reside in what it describes as heavenlies. Above the sky. Now, can I ask a question? Are there any human beings that stays above the sky? No, no sir. So clearly, these things you are talking about are not human beings. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. Of course, we know because you already told us against the wives of the devil. We know they are demonic spirits. Satan and his cohorts. That's what we fight against. That's the nature of our battles. 
Child of God, we must understand that our fight as believers is not a physical fight. And this understanding must settle in our minds and nothing should shake it. We do not fight physical wars, Christians. We don't. However, we fight. You understand that? We do not fight physical wars. However, we are still fighting. We are in the war. We are in the battle. But it's not a physical battle. So what is the nature of our fight? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Ephesians 6 from verse 10. I read that again to 12. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. So you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So you know somehow devil is in this thing that we're fighting. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Did you, did you see that from the scripture we just read? That you'll be able to stand against what? The wiles of the devil. So we know devil is in the equation, what we're fighting. Praise the Lord. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So if we're not fighting against flesh and blood and we are fighting against the devil or stand against the wiles of the devil, pay attention, the wiles of the devil, the wiles of the devil, are you paying attention? The wiles, that's what we fight against. Against what? The wiles of the devil. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Yes, sir. This is the nature of the warfare you are involved with, child of God. The wars of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places or high places above the sky. Praise the Lord. We wrestle against entities that are not physical in nature. Is that clear enough? Yes, sir. Is that clear enough? Yes, sir. Is that clear enough? Yes, sir. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. They are not physical in nature. They are spiritual in nature. Are you with me on this? They are not physical in nature. They are what? Spiritual. In. So you've often heard in Christian circles spiritual warfare. Does that make sense? Do you understand that now? Do you understand that now? That is what it means. You don't fight physical entities. You fight spiritual entities. That's why the warfare we fight is called spiritual warfare. Praise the Lord. One more time I declare the nature of the warfare. Warfare means fight and battle. Is that not so? The nature of the warfare of the believer is spiritual. Can you say that with me? The nature of the warfare of the believer is spiritual. One more time. The nature of the warfare of the believer is spiritual. That means the war you fight, the battles you fight, they are not physical battles, they are what? Spiritual battles. So listen, when you go, Kadasoya, may God give you understanding. Look at me. When you go see one prophet, somebody who calls himself a prophet or something, I'm not ridiculing them, and you come and say, I've got so many problems. I know your problem. Your problem is spiritual. And you say, hey, why should that surprise you? Did I, did I just communicate that now? Why should that surprise you? Say, hey, say, what I'm seeing now, spiritual attacks everywhere. Say, hey, pastor, do something. Because you think the fight you fight is physical. So when they said, what I'm seeing around you is spiritual, I say, hey. But if you have light and revelation, I say, pastor, that's not news. I know the nature of my warfare is spiritual. So what else do you want to add to it? 
<laughs> Am I talking to somebody? I, I totally understand what's going on. I'm not confused. Say, so, come, we have to take care of their spirits that are following you. Say, you can't follow me. Yeah, you can't follow me. Uh, maybe you're not saying well. That's why it's good to have knowledge and understanding from God's word. I've shared this testimony here before. Uh, many, many years ago, I was still in secondary school. Um, and my other brother, who is a pastor in Portaco right now, we, we, we used to have Saturdays after we do our house chores. Then we lived in, uh, then the company used to look big when you were small. You know? <laughs> when you grow big now, the company looks small. We, we, after the house chores, we go out and we maintain the company with clear grasses. And my late father then used to say, no, square it over there, square it over there, you know. He never said you've done enough. He said, no, this thing you clear now. It's not, it's not balancing. This thing is angry square. <laughs> so we used to call him daddy square it over there, you know. And uh, we do that. Then when we finish that, we take our bath, then we lock ourselves up, and we're in tongues. One hour, two hours in prayers. When we finish, we now take a trek. Probably, um, uh, I think the best I can describe that is walking from here, you know, as little boys, from here probably to close to stadium gates. And we're going to do another, like, three, four hours of prayer. We're going to attend the prayer meeting. Then when we're done, we trek back. That Saturday has been well lived. So that was a pattern of life we had. It was normal. So, one of these Saturdays, after our usual chores and prayer session, we went for this prayer meeting. And in the prayer meeting, my beloved sister, I will never forget her name. When I see her in heaven, I will remind her this story. Sister Gift. She started seeing vision. And pointed, said, hey, two of you come out. I was one of the person they point. You're that one they point. So I looked at my brother and said, my brother, just delighted for me. So that I don't destroy the prayer. I just scattered the prayer meeting. So I stood. And the Lord is showing me something. The Lord is showing me something. You, brother, he was pointing at me. You, I can see you. Chain is tying you from your head down to your toe. Neither so we can deliver you. I look at my brother and say, ah. <laughs> so I didn't want to cause chaos in the prayer meeting. I, God know I didn't need that with my heart. But I never wanted to say. And they were doing, we buy it, we cast, we buy it. I was just waiting for the prayer meeting to finish. So he made the prayer meeting finish. I said, it's a gift. I want to see you outside. So I took her outside. I said, while we were praying, you say you saw a vision and you pointed two of us to come out. Then you pointed at me and said, you saw me and I was chained up. I said, it was not me you saw in the vision. She said, eh? I said, it's not me you saw in the vision. She said, oh, that was it me she pointed at I said, yes, you pointed at me. She said, no, it's not me. It's your other brother. I said, that's okay. It's <laughs> okay, it's okay. True story, true story. I said, it's okay, it's okay. The brother can answer for himself. But he didn't see me. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> Do you understand? If you have light and revelation, nobody can mess you up. Because your authority is not coming from flesh. It's coming from God's word. God himself. I don't know if I just spoke to somebody this morning. See, the problem I see is there's too many spiritual problems around. See, see, man of God, I know. The nature of my battle is spiritual. So, is there anything new? Stop what this story you are telling me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We do not fight physical warfare. We fight spiritual warfare. We fight spiritual warfare. Okay, let's go a little bit further and find somewhere to, to run up. Now, these spiritual entities that we contend with do not reside on the earth. We've already said that. Is that not so? Because the Bible says they reside where? In the heavens or in the high places. They reside in the heavens. It is important we understand that spirits... Are you still with me? Yes, sir. I want to go somewhere now. It's a matter we understand that spirits 
do not have a right to reside on this earth without a physical body. The only grand spirits can reside on this earth is to have a body they can possess or control. Outside of that, they have no authority on this earth. Praise the Lord. And why is this so? Let's look at scripture for answers, as we do in all things. Why is it so that spirits don't have authority to reside on the earth? You know, people often tell you, I see spirits are moving here. I don't know what they are seeing. They don't have the authority to reside on the earth. If at all you find them functioning in any place, it's because a human entity had given them authority to reside in such places. And if a human authority gave them right, another human authority can evict them. Not if I'm talking to somebody. Because the authority of this world is given to mankind, not spirits. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cat and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So who did God give dominion over the earth? Man! I like the way somebody said it. said me. Somebody said me. Me. Well, not in an English class here, so it's correct. Somebody said me. Me. God gave me the dominion over the earth. Look at your neighbor. Say, God gave you the dominion over this earth. God gave you the dominion over this earth. I like you to say it like you are preaching, not just repeating. Say, God gave, God gave you the dominion over this earth. He didn't give spirits dominion. Psalm 115 and verse 16, Jesus said, The heavens and the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. God never gave spirits dominion over the earth. Spirits are looking for entrance through human vessels. Remember? When Jesus casted out those demons from that uh, guy who had those spirits that they say we are legions. Remember that story? Yes, sir. When Jesus said, come out, what did they say? Uh, They look around. There was nobody that said, I went to animals. Why do you think they asked to enter animals? Because once they are out of bodies, they have no legal right on the earth. I don't remember talking to somebody. He said, "Uh, can we enter those animals? Because there was no human being to enter. And Jesus said, go. And immediately the spirits entered over a thousand plus animals. That spirit was in that one man, no? The Bible said they ran violently down the the slope, the slope, and they all drowned. So you can imagine what that woman was carrying to go. <laughs> Violent demons. Because they, it doesn't matter what they are, they have no right on the earth without the body. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody this morning. Yes, the heavens and the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to who? The children of men. You have authority in this earth. Devils don't have authority. That is why in the name of Jesus, you can check out devils from your family. You can check out devils from the earth. Everywhere you discern the influence of spirits that was allowed by somebody, you stand on that authority, by the authority of God given unto me as a child of God. I check you out of this family. I check you out of this home. I check you out of this system. You can't do that because it is your God-given authority in the name of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah! God did not give authority to spirits over the earth. Rather, he gave this authority to mankind. Now, man has a spirit. Is that not so? The only reason why man has authority is because he gave that spirit body, which is the body we see now. So if we, when the body, this man loses this body, that spirit ceases to have a right to exist on the earth. We say the person has died. Is that not so? Yes. 
James says the spirit, the body without the spirit is dead. That spirit does not remain. Wants to die after this, the judgment. The spirit checks out of the earth. That's God's law. You don't have any right to be afraid of spirits as a child of God. Am I talking to somebody? If you see a human vessel that is giving access or portal to demonic spirits on the earth, you as God's human vessel can shut that vessel in the name of Jesus. Because there is a God-given authority that resides with you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It is for these reasons that the spiritual entities that the children of God fight with do not reside on the earth. Does it make sense now? That's why they don't reside on the earth. Because they don't have the authority to reside. Praise the Lord. They reside in the heavenlies, referring to dimensions up in the sky. Praise God. Now, the next question to answer would be this. If these spiritual entities do not reside on the earth, how do they then engage the believer in warfare? Are we still going together? Yes, sir. Uh, okay. Can we walk that a little bit then we're done? Because yes, I can stop here. Walk this a little bit, right? If the spirits, these entities we, we, we war with, according to the word of God, do not reside on the earth, according to the word of God. So how do they engage us in battle? Are we still together on this? Okay, let's talk a little bit about that and we should find somewhere to stop. Go back to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. I read. Put on the old hammer of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That is why what we fight against is described as what? The wiles of the devil. Those entities that was described, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in heaven, they are all cohorts of Satan. Satan is their boss. And the scripture tells us clearly that what we fight against, the nature of our spiritual warfare, is against what? The wiles of the devil. We've already described what wiles is. Remember in our first study? What are wiles again? Travesty. What is a travesty? Misrepresentation. Distortion. Perversion. Those are expressions of one single mission of Satan. What is that mission? Deception. Are we still together? Revelation 12 verse 9. Let's look at that again. Revelation 12 verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil. And Satan... Which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Which deceived what? The whole world. Somebody said, but Pastor, he said they don't understand the earth, but he was cast out into the earth. When we refer to the earth, it's everything outside of where eternity is. So at one level, this is where we are, and that level beyond the sky, the upper part of the earth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Ah, so they are somewhere there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What is his mission? He deceived what? Talk to me. He deceived what? What is the primary mission of Satan? Deception. 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 What is deception again? His wiles. What are his wiles again? Misrepresentation. Distortion. Perversion. That's his mission. Praise the Lord. 
And do you know how he implements this deception, this misrepresentation, this perversion, this distortion? What does he mean to mis- misrepresent? A false image of someone or something. Am I talking to you? If you go and represent me somewhere and you are not doing or saying what I will not say, you have what? Misrepresented. So you make the people see the me that I am not. And if your mission is to make them come against me, you have succeeded because you have presented a me that is not me. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the transmission. He presents a God to mankind that is not God. He started it with Eve and it worked. Classical deception 101. And it's still working today. He presents a God that is not the true God. So mankind can detest God. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. I said in the first study, the devil presented to Eve that God does not want her to discover her real potential so she can fully express herself. Deception 101. And it's working fantastically even today. It worked in millennials. It's still working right now. God does not want us to really, really, really Discover who we are because God knows when we really see who we are, we cannot become what we should become. You know, so in other words, God is holding us back. I don't know if that makes sense to some people. This is what Satan is still selling. Imagine you're looking at a God who you feel does not want you to really become you. Would you want to follow that God? That's why people run away from God. Because they see God as someone that will hold them back. They don't see God as someone that has value to them. They see God as one that is taking value from them. Why are you talking to somebody? That is Satan's misrepresentation at work. Come on, praise the Lord. Hmm. Let me pick one scripture and I'll stop with that. He began this misrepresentation with Eve and it worked. It's like you, you come up with something, you test it if it's working, and it's, still, and it's still using it to sell today. It's still marketing that. Let's look at one more scripture and we'll stop with that. 2 Corinthians 11.3. 2 Corinthians 11.3. Are you ready? But I fear, Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. He said, I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve. Can you see that? Can you see that? Yes, sir. As the serpent did what? Beguile. Why is it not beguile again? Deceive. Why is it that? Because that is Satan's mission. As the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. You know the meaning of subtlety? Craftiness. Here we saw one of his names in the first study. Serpent. Crafty. Is that not so? That's what he does. He's crafty. And I said to you last time, if somebody described me as crafty, it's not a compliment. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah, say this crafty girl, and then he laughs. It's, it's not complimenting you, it's insulting you and laughing with it. Crafty is not identified with anything good. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let them call you smart and not say crafty. Smart is a better word, crafty is an evil word. 
It says, I fear lest my enemies as the serpent beguile him through his subtlety or craftiness. So your minds, can you see where Satan is attacking? Can you see it? So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Why will the minds of men be corrupted? Because he misrepresents Christ. And when he misrepresents Christ, they are no longer interested in this Christ. Am I talking to somebody? So Satan distorts God's love nature before men and make them see a loving God as one who is against them. They see God as one who does not want them to discover their real potentials so that they can fully express themselves. This lie has sold for millennium and is still selling today. This is classic satanic wires at work. Am I communicating? Okay, let me say this, then probably I hang my boot up there. I need to stop somewhere. Now, it is also important we emphasize how these lies of the devil are communicated, how this deception of Satan, has, how he communicates them. How does he communicate this, this deception, these lies, this wires, this misrepresentation, this distortion, this perversion? How does Satan co- communicate them? Satan perpetuates these lies through the instrumentality of our thoughts. So, I, I try to answer the first question I raised, and I stop with that. These entities will fight. They are not physical. They don't reside on the earth. They reside in the heavens. How do they engage us in battle through our thought life? Yeah. That is the battle you fight. That's the nature of your spiritual warfare. He communicates these misrepresentations, these ideologies, these lies, these distortions, these perversions, through our thoughts. What is thoughts again? Our way of thinking. Why? Thought is the determinant of behavior. If he gets his thoughts into you, he gets the behavior he wants from you. Do you understand what I'm saying? If he sells a violent thought in the mind of somebody, what happens to the person? Help me. That person becomes violent. If he sells a thought to kill somebody in somebody's mind and a person buys it, what does the person do? He goes ahead to kill. Do you not understand why these things are happening? That was why I said in the first study, if you become a victim of the deception of the devil, his deception has damaging consequences. And whoever buys the lie will suffer the effect of those damaging consequences. So you read, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to... Satan cannot enter physically to kill. He needs a vessel. He needs to sell the ideology to someone who will go do the killing for him. So you often read on the news. A guy gets up and goes to a primary school, carries a gun and begins to shoot children. And you say what? They don't like me in this school, so I kill everybody. The devil fed his mind. The devil fed their mind. This things happen almost every day in the, in, the, in the United States of America. Somebody just gets up, gets to a school. In fact, what happened during July 4th, while they were doing their Independence Day, somebody went and stood somewhere and began to use him before target practice. Was well, shooting. Killing. Before they eventually caught him. Why do you think this people do this stuff? The one who assaults the mind of men found the entrance into their thought life. And the next thing is, you know what? Go out in a blaze of glory. You know, they can kill you, but let them kill you a star. How do they kill you as a star? Kill others. When you kill... They will never forget your name. You will be in the, even long after you are dead, you will be in the news. They will always remember you as the guy who took out. So these ideologies, 
Everyone who killed came to their mind as a thought. And they embraced the thought and the thought shaped the behavior in them. If you ever say you want to go after prostitution, the thought came to your mind, you embraced it and it shaped you. If you are going to be a wicked person, the thought came to your mind, you embraced it and it shaped you. If you are going to be a liar, the thought came to your mind, you embraced it and it shaped you. If you are going to be angry and be a very angry person, the thought came to your mind, you embraced it and it shaped you. Everything you will become is shaped by the thought that finds access into your mind. This is how these spirits fight you. This is the nature of the warfare you fight. If you are going to be hopeless in life, we go, the thought came, you embraced it, and it's not shaping hopelessness in you. And the next thing will be, what is there to live for? End it. End it. End it. Even your dream, we're hearing, end it. And that's suicide, though. That's another thought. What is there? All this suffer. You they try, nobody they encourage you. Kill yourself. Make who knows everything, don't finish. And you, it doesn't occur to you who is the guy standing close to you telling you, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself. Do you understand the nation of the warfare you fight now? Yes, sir. Oh, you still don't? <laughs> End it all. After all, man dying at once, all dying to die. <laughs> it starts feeding you. It starts feeding you. End it. End it. End it. End it. End it. There are different ways you can do it, sure. Go and search the internet. You find yourself going to the internet to look for how to kill yourself. <laughs> oh, God. Why? The devil understands the principle thought shapes behavior. So if he sells something to you and you buy it, he has given birth to a new behavior in you. What is he asking for? Say you should just sleep with him. It's only once now. It's only once. And God will understand. You ask God to forgive you later. Then you start massaging the thought. He has promised you, you will not stay in Lube. I'll take you to it's a service apartment. And uh, I will take care of you. I will pay five years down. I want you to be my girl. And he tells you which card you want. Look for it and let me know. From when you say yes, the car is yours. If you want to work, I'll put it anywhere you want. But if you don't want to work, you don't need it. i put some good money in your account. And you start massaging it on. Mm. Mm. That's why I said that time. Eh? This, this Christianity I'm following now is holding me back. It's not allowing me fully express myself. I can see where I can become now. Eh? All the time, I sweat, the sweat, the sweat, the sweat. See, one time, one small thing, I don't come. You don't, you don't. See, see. After I wrote this man, after I wrote, this one self, he said, one follow you sleep. You go sleep, you go change your life. I'm like, those other boys, when you to sleep, don't they do anything for you? Abba. No, this is something I suppose think very well. Though. And again, the sister will come. See your family, they are struggling. They have not paid house rent. Your brother is still struggling to pay school fees. Even if you do this thing, you are helping your family. 
switches the frequency. You are not doing anything wrong. You are helping. You are trying to help. If my mother will understand, I'm helping them. I'll send them to school. Things will go for them. It's help. <laughs> uh, you don't know who Satan is. That old dragon. That wicked one who deceived the whole world. That's his mission. When he finished with Judas, Judas went and hung himself. Nobody hung Judas Iscariot. He went to hang himself. Like we say in Nigeria, I clear. So when you put your hand into it, you vibrate and you start, you debate. So now when I go back and relax, I got this one. I got this one. Banker. That devil is a liar. I said that devil is a liar. I said that devil is a liar. You need to understand the nature of the warfare you fight. Because if you don't, you may as well be living under the influence with no idea that you are. You may not be the one calling how you are living. The wicked one is determining how you live by the thought he sells to your mind. You have no idea. And you stand, I bind you, devil. Every all those persons in the in the principalities, powers, in the wicked, in the highest places. I take on you finish that prayer, you go and do what he told you to do. Because you have no idea how it gets its effect in your life. And this is how it does it. If you have a posture and behavior today, ask yourself, which thoughts gave birth to this kind in me? If you are going to remove it, they don't necessarily go away by prayer. That thought pattern needs to be torn, torn down. We'll talk about that next week Sunday. Stand up on your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's what we could